Uh, it's really a pleasure to be here with you today. I'm not going to leave this up here. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm just thankful. It's, it's on days, like when you get to the summer, uh, there's that, that each week you have a decision. Am I going to go sit in this dark basement or going to enjoy the outside? But when it gets past a certain, like, temperature, then you're like, I'm going to go because that basement's cool, and it's going to be really nice. Maybe they'll let me stay there longer. And so <clears throat> thank you for being here today as we wrap up uh, our series in Proverbs. Uh, I was <clears throat> with you as we started, and I gave you a challenge. It was to read Proverbs. Who read Proverbs? Oh, you're all so humble. That's really good. Uh, it's true, yeah. Don't boast about it. Uh, but if, if by any chance you, you didn't have the opportunity or you forgot to read Proverbs while we were going through this series, it is full of, guess what? It's full of wisdom, a lot of good wisdom in Proverbs. And so I invite you to go anytime and just continue to read through the Proverbs uh, and, and consider the, app, the way that it calls you to apply it to your life. And uh, as we were going through Proverbs, there's this, there's this main hook, this main idea throughout the whole book and that there are only two paths that you can walk down in life. I have a friend that always finds an option to see. I'm like, hey, buddy, there's this or this we can do. He's like, no, there's this. I'm like, no, A or B, no C. Proverbs is giving you only two choices of a path to walk down in life. And so uh, both paths are extremely different from each other. And I just want to ask, can, can you shout out, what are the two paths that Proverbs presents? Just shout it out. Okay, that, that's great. Yeah, there's, there's two paths leading to life and death. Uh, and there's, um, there's kind of represent, uh, represents on each path. Uh, do you remember their, how they're described in Proverbs? Yeah? Wisdom and folly. There we go. So we have two paths. We, we have woman wisdom, woman folly, both inviting you to walk down their path, and Proverbs explores what will you find on the path. Uh, and as we conclude our series in Proverbs, we will look at what is the end of each of these paths. There's a clear call in Proverbs. It is to walk down the path of woman wisdom. It's to embrace woman wisdom. And so as you're reading Proverbs or as we've worked through Proverbs together, there's also a very clear invitation for some self-evaluation and some self-reflection. What path am I on? Where is the path that I am on leading me to? I used to work in a, in a camp ministry uh, in the summer when I was a teenager. Uh, it's called Camp of the Woods, and it's really far up north, like so far, like four hours northwest of Sudbury. Uh, and there, it's bear country, and the camp is really safe uh, if you stay in the camp. Um, but I had an idea that I wanted to go and jog down the camp road, which is several kilometers, to the highway. And I know it seems hilarious that I had that idea because I don't jog very much. Uh, but, and, I, and you all know me well enough to know that. But it's true. I did want to jog this one time. And everyone told me, don't jog. Don't do it. And I was like, man. I, my body's temple of the Holy Spirit. I got to keep this thing fit. I got to jog. And they're like, no, no, there's bears. Like, you can't jog out of the camp. There's bears. Don't go down the road. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just take a knife with me, and it'll be fine. And so I was going to bring it with me, but I just forgot. I'm sorry. So imagine, like, a little blue buck knife, uh, and I had it in my pocket, and I'm jogging, and it's like, 
shaking around in my jogging shorts because they're so loose and it's like so annoying. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to run with it in my hand. It's closed. It's safe. <laughs> and then it got to be dusk. And then I started to hear things in the woods that didn't sound like chipmunks. Like chipmunks don't break branches. And, and I thought, like, you know what, like, if, I, if I'm in need of a knife and the knife's closed, like, eh, that's pretty dumb. So I'm going to open the knife and I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep jogging. And you know what? It didn't take very much self-reflection to realize I had done something foolish. As I'm running through like the middle of the woods with an open knife, fearfully looking over my shoulder. And I can even imagine like there's a Proverbs written just for me. Uh, it is better to go on an evening run with a friend than to become supper for a bear. That's for me. <laughs> and so as we end the series on Proverbs, you're invited into the same self-evaluation. Where, where are you at? What, in this self-reflection, what path are you on? And it's very clear. One path, you're walking in wisdom towards life, or another path, you're jogging in foolishness towards a bear in the woods, calling his family, saying, our Uber just arrived, uh, our Uber like, food just arrived. And so you're invited to ask yourself, am I running towards death or am I walking in wisdom? And so let's read the verse again for today. Proverbs 12, 28. The in the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Please help us to understand the invitation that you're extending to us through the wisdom of Proverbs for how to walk in wisdom. I pray that we could know you and we could enjoy a life of wisdom. And I, I pray that you would show us what does it look like to submit to you, God? What does it look like to receive from you the same wisdom with which you created the universe and you created this world and you created me? I pray that you would lead us and guide us, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs only offers two paths. So we see that these paths are leading to life or leading to death, and I think it's important just to take a moment to consider what does it mean when Proverbs talks about life? What does it mean when Proverbs talks about death? And so when Proverbs is talking about life, it is a holistic life. It, it is a life that affects everything, and it starts with a relationship with God, and Proverbs describes this as the fear of the Lord. And a life that meets Proverbs' definition of life is, is full of joy, and you have many days of peace and satisfied rest. That's the life that Proverbs is talking about. And this joy and peace that you'll be experiencing, it's going to have a direct impact on your mental and physical well-being. It is going to impact you morally and spiritually in the way that you speak and in what you do. In the life that Proverbs presents, you are invited into a, an immediate and eternal life. And uh, the, this Proverbs 14.32 says, the righteous, the righteous finds refuge in his death. And what that means is that in the physical event of dying, you will encounter more life. That's what Proverbs is talking about when it talks about life. And now what is Proverbs talking about 
when it talks about death. It references death, destruction, and Sheol, which is a wasteland, a void, a pit, uh, an underworld, or even hell. It references that group of words uh, 40 times. And, And so most cases, when you're reading Proverbs, when you encounter death, destruction, uh, those kind of things, it's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about a type of character death that has immediate consequences. Those consequences are your reward for the destruction that pride, crookedness, wrath, wickedness, treachery, and so much more brings into your life. So this character death, when Proverbs talks about it, it, it brings a physical, emotional, moral, and spiritual calamity into your life while you're living on earth. And in Proverbs 8.36, a woman wisdom calls out and she says, he who fails to find me injures himself. He, all who hate me love death. That's, that's really bold. Who would say that they love death? They love death. The, the destruction that pride, uh, that crookedness, wrath, wickedness, treachery bring. But often Proverbs is very straightforward. No nonsense like that. And, and if, they, if there was another Proverbs written for me based on that, that jog I had, it would be, he who runs with an open knife because of fear of bears may be impaled. It's just very clear. You didn't even, like, it just makes so much sense. And it's because, why does it make sense? We've been created by God to be in line with the way he designed the world. And, so, and we're, we've been given the image of God. And so a lot of times, things actually make sense. And we've talked about this in the beginning of Proverbs, that there's some secular Proverbs that are basically the same as the Proverbs we find in Scripture. Because there, there is the, it is possible to perceive the world in line with the way that God created the world. And so these things that we read in Proverbs should make sense. You're like, it's so obvious. Uh, and Proverbs continues when it talks about death. It's, it's not just a character death. There is a trajectory of death towards more death. And so there's the physical event of dying. And Proverbs 11.7 says, When the wicked dies, his hope perishes. So death, all of your life, still hoping to be satisfied, hoping to get out of that destruction, and then when you die, it's just more death. And that's the path of woman folly. So we, we kind of have an idea now about what Proverbs is talking about when it references life and death. So what does Proverbs twelve twenty eight mean? In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. A lot of the Proverbs are a contrast, a comparison, or something is better than something else, okay? Or the righteous will live like this, but the foolish will live like this. So there's comparisons, contrast, better than. uh, And rather than doing that, this proverb is saying the same thing twice. It's just repeating itself. It's, It's building such an emphasis on the clarity of the point of the proverb in life, there is no death. You could say, in life, you only find life. The proverb could read, in the path of righteousness, there is life, and in the path of righteousness, uh, oh yeah, and in the path of unrighteousness, there's only death. That would be kind of the comparison, but that's not 
what this proverb is doing. This proverb is saying, in life, there is only life. So, do you know what I love about the way that this proverb has been written? Is that life wins. Life is being emphasized. Life wins the whole proverb. And so, when when we see this, we know what Proverbs is talking about when, when it's referencing life. But what is it talking about when, it, when life wins the whole verse? It's, it's referencing a fullness of life. A life fullness where you are lacking in nothing. And it, you, the reason you're lacking in nothing is because you're being completely satisfied in the only way you were created to be satisfied, which is in a relationship with God. And so we need to stop right now and ask, what are we pursuing and what are we desiring to be satisfied in right now? I don't know what it is for you. Is it, is it money? Are you pursuing promotions, a higher salary so you can be satisfied? Are you pursuing food? Do you find all of your satisfaction in what you eat? Are you pursuing things? and just consuming everything the world is offering you, and you're saying, these things will finally satisfy me. Or, or when I'm finally in a relationship, that the one that I'm looking for, not the one that I'm in right now, because that, that one's not satisfying me, then I'll be satisfied. And so the question you have to, to answer in your heart right now is, what is failing to satisfy you right now? What employment, relationship, lifestyle, etc., are you pursuing, and did you consider it was not designed to satisfy you? If you're pursuing anything other than God, it will not satisfy you because it's not designed to satisfy you. And so a life that is not lacking in any way is a life in relationship with God. That is what Proverbs says, and you will only find more life in the path of righteousness. And And this path of life fullness is found, Proverbs says, in the fear of the Lord. And Proverbs gives a picture. What does the fear of the Lord look like? And and we can hear the fear of the Lord, and we can think to ourselves, well, I have to be really scared of God because he's mean, he's strict, uh, he'll cut me down uh, if I fail to please him. And so I just have to have that perspective of God. That's what I'm being called to, and that's wrong. Proverbs describes the fear of the Lord as an awe filled response to the knowledge of God that's been presented to you through Scripture and in his creation, and and an awe-filled response to the creator of everything. The one who placed order in the world at the point of creation and has sustained it to this day. The fear of the Lord is found in a dependence on God and a trust on him. The fear of the Lord is walking with God in his presence and living in an open and authentic way. In the fear of the Lord, you will find complete satisfaction and joy. That's what Proverbs is saying. So what do you find on the path of life? You find more life. What is the end of the path of life? More life. And so I think it's important to ask the question, Is there anyone here thinking, I still prefer death and destruction? I would say that's pretty bold. Uh, I would say maybe just it would be appropriate to have a little bit of curiosity. Because even if you were 
in a place where you weren't ready to receive what Proverbs is presenting, you're not ready to engage with the fear of the Lord, I think a little curiosity would lead to thinking, well, that's some pretty bold offers that Proverbs presents. Is it possible? That it, is it, can Proverbs deliver on its promises? Can the Bible deliver on its promises? I think that would be appropriate because I think that it goes without saying that we're pretty fed up and tired of the destruction that pride, crookedness, wrath, wickedness, and treachery bring to our lives. I have experienced some of this, the destruction that crookedness and wickedness and treachery bring just in, uh, in living as an adult and having to be responsible for things with like home repairs and car repairs. And I have often felt like I'm just completely ripped off. I, I lost money on a car I, that I didn't get inspected and it ended up being like completely totaled, like couldn't repair. Uh, and, it's, and I was told that it was perfectly fine. And, and, I, and then you're, you're feeling that. And what, what is the response when you're not meeting the requirement of Proverbs to experience life, when you do not have a fear of the Lord? Well, the response is, I have to go and get back what I lost. So it creates a cycle of treachery and crookedness where everyone's trying to get back the thing they lost from their own crookedness, and it just keeps feeding into each other. And so, has anyone experienced being ripped off? Or maybe you've uh, tricked someone else, and you've ripped off someone else, and are you fed up with it? Are you tired of it? Are you, are you fed up with the destruction that pride, crookedness, wrath, wickedness, and treachery bring? And so if we are in a place today where we're saying, I'm ready to engage with what Proverbs is presenting, I, I, would, I desire that, then an appropriate question is, like, I don't feel like I experience life and more life like you're talking about. And, and I have to say something and just be honest. I think it's possible to look at Scripture, especially look at Proverbs, and, and just desire to live by its wisdom and not realize that like, we completely fail. And that's one of the blind spots of adopting a, a moralistic, legalistic approach to reading Scripture, which is I'm looking at what it says, and I'm going to do what it says, and based on my actions, I will receive what it says. That is a moralistic, legalistic approach. I, I personally have experienced living like that, and it, you do not find satisfaction in living like that. When you realize that you have an approach like this to Scripture, then you start to realize why you're not experiencing what Scripture is promising, because it's based on your actions alone. And you'll eventually start to realize, I'm not, I don't think I'm actually on the path of wisdom. Which means I can't arrive at the, the end of the path, which is life. And we hear verses like, the wage of the righteous leads to life, and the gain of the wicked is sin. And you think, well, I'm going to pursue righteousness, because righteousness leads to life. And the problem is not knowing what the Bible says. The problem is reading the Bible and not recognizing that you are not righteous. You do not meet the requirement of being righteous. Right, uh, righteous. And so it's, it's so easy to say, that person ripped me off, that person did me wrong, and not look inward and say, 
I have ripped people off. I have wronged others. And it's so simple in Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So unless you don't fall into the category of all, I think it's pretty inclusive, but unless you don't fall into the category of all, you have fallen short. And what does it mean to fall short? Well, it means you should know very well woman folly and her path. Falling short means that you know the destruction that pride, crookedness, wrath, wickedness, and treachery bring. So at this same camp where I wanted to jog out to the the highway, uh, it's off-grid. They have their own uh, generator and they have their own garbage pit. And I don't know why, but I always wanted to go see the garbage pit. And I think, like I was thinking about it, some self-reflection, I think it's because I was told that you could see bears at the garbage pit. Um, And the garbage pit was off of the camp road on the way to the highway. And to answer your question, no, I didn't connect those dots. That uh, if I was running on the camp highway and there's a garbage pit where there's known to be bears, that I might encounter one. I was foolish. We've already addressed that. So... I was able to go one afternoon in the middle of the day. I didn't think about, like, I wanted to see bears, but they only go at dusk in the evening. doesn't matter. I took my chances, and I went. And what did I expect to find? I don't know. But what I did find was putrid, rotting waste that I was very disgusting, and I had no interest in being there. And in Proverbs, woman wisdom and woman folly, they're inviting you onto their path to partake of what they have to offer. In Proverbs 9, 5, uh, we see woman wisdom saying, Come, eat of my bread, drink of my wine I have mixed. So woman wisdom has prepared a fresh meal, hand-prepared, placed on a table for you to eat of its goodness. And, and then when we think about the, the meal that woman folly has prepared for you, I like to imagine what I saw at that garbage dump. Come on, eat whatever you want. It's, uh, it's yours for the taking. And uh, you might get deathly sick, but like it's all yours. So you can have all of it. Who wants to eat garbage? <clears throat> so at this point, I think it's fitting to acknowledge that we know what it's like to be part of all, falling short. We actually, without like, saying it publicly, we should know what it's like to eat garbage in the sense of partaking of what woman folly has to offer. And the question is, are you sick of garbage? Are you sick of eating garbage? It leaves a bad aftertaste. What kind of garbage are we consuming that Lady Folly is presenting to us? uh, Lies, unfaithfulness, coveting. What What do the lies look like? I'm pursuing a job promotion, and I'm lying about my capacity, uh, and now I've got the promotion, and I'm haunted because... I'm in like an imposter. I, didn't, I don't fit in here, and they're going to find out. And that's, that's the fruit of, of the food that Lady, Lady Folly is feeding you. And, and unfaithfulness. You found yourself in a relationship where either you or the other person is unfaithful. I, apparently, it's an open relationship. And you, you are f- eating the fruit of woman folly. And, and what about coveting? You desire so much that thing or that lifestyle, and so you aggressively pursue it to the point that once you have it, you're just drowning in debt, and you're just, you're just sinking. And so it's, again, this point where you have to ask the question, am I pursuing something that was not designed to satisfy me? 
And are you sick of eating garbage? So if we're at the point where we are saying we do want life, then it, the question is how? How can we experience life? Because we know the path of destruction. Trenton told me I've been eating garbage. Uh, we know, and apparently I know what it tastes like. How can I go <clears throat> to the table the woman wisdom has prepared where the bread is not full of maggots, where the table has been set just for me to partake? Well, the how is actually the who. And the who is the only one who actually walked the path of wisdom in righteousness. And so to experience this right away and forever life, Proverbs is saying you need a relationship with God. And it's presented wisdom in the personification of woman wisdom, but then the Bible presents Jesus as wisdom incarnate. Jesus came, wisdom, Jesus came in the flesh, lived on earth, and this made him to be the only human being who could ever actually walk on the path of wisdom. So we already looked at how to be on the path of, of wisdom requires the fear of the Lord. I said that uh, Proverbs paints a picture of what the fear of the Lord looks like, but I did, I did not present you a complete picture. To complete the picture of what the fear of the Lord looks like, the fear of the Lord is looking straight at Jesus and acknowledging in your heart, he, that guy, he, is the only one who is righteous and the only one who walked on the path of wisdom into life. That's the fear of the Lord. And because that Jesus is that person, the one who walked in wisdom, in righteousness, he's actually the one standing at the gate. It's not woman wisdom. It's actually Jesus standing at the entrance of, his, of the path of wisdom, inviting you to enter. And because it's Jesus that's inviting you, and it's not your own righteousness, you can actually enter onto that path. Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 says, for, his, uh, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And as, as Jesus walked the path of wisdom, where did that path lead? It led Jesus to the cross. And it, and you might be looking at that and saying, well, then both paths lead to death. Both paths lead to destruction. Both paths lead to the same place. And Jesus, he did experience the end of the path of woman folly, but not because he was unrighteous, but because he experienced that because of our unrighteousness. And he did that he experienced death, he experienced the cross, so he could actually pick you up off of the path of woman folly and put you onto the path of wisdom. The death of Jesus was very much unlike the death of, the, of, of foolish people, the wicked who are walking down the, the path of foolishness, which leads to no hope, their hope perishes. Unlike that, the death of Jesus is where hope was birthed. This is where you can find satisfaction to what your heart desires. And so there are a lot of bears in this sermon. Jesus was the one 
who face the garbage dump bears. For you, in your foolishness. And he died, but he also killed the bears in the same process, and then he came alive again. That's what happened. Except not with bears. (laughs) With sin. (laughs) And so, Jesus followed the path of wisdom as wisdom incarnate. It led to the cross, and you need to hear this. The cross wasn't the end of the path. It didn't end there. The cross continued to ultimate resurrection and ultimate restoration. In Proverbs uh, 8.35, woman wisdom says, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But because of Jesus being wisdom incarnate, Jesus was wisdom in the flesh, it's actually to be read that Jesus is saying this to you. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. So this ultimate resurrection and restoration that Jesus is, was capable of is offered to you. Jesus is the only one who did what was truly right for you. And Jesus, he sees you like knee-deep in a garbage dump, covered in filth, sickly, famished, and you're fighting each other for garbage. And he says, let me pick you up and bring you to a feast that I prepared you. Let me clean you and clothe you. Jesus is offering us life. So how can we live because of Jesus? Ephesians uh, 3.19 says that we can know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and we can be filled with the fullness of God. Why did Jesus experience death? Why did he face the cross? It was because of his love for you and his knowledge that there was no other way for you to be saved from death. And you didn't earn his love. Who needs to hear that today? You didn't earn Jesus' love. You, before you even knew the name Jesus, Jesus had already died for you to give you life. You didn't earn anything. Jesus is the fullness of life that Proverbs is offering. And, and John 1.16 says, For from his fullness, the fullness of Jesus, the fullness of life that's in Jesus, for from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Grace is something that's given to you that you don't deserve, that you don't earn. And Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. So this life-giving presence and work of Jesus' wisdom in the flesh is our only way, that's the only way to walk on the path of wisdom. So because of Jesus, you can walk in wisdom and into life. So as we close, like I said in the beginning, Proverbs is inviting you into a self-evaluation, into self-reflection. What path are you on? Where are you today? And can you acknowledge that you have accepted woman folly's invitation? And that now you are being invited off of the path of destruction into the path of life. And it's Jesus who is the one that is inviting you. And it's all those who have already been saved by Jesus who are inviting you. And it's me. I'm inviting you to believe and receive life through Jesus. Because of Jesus, you can have this right now and forever life that Proverbs is offering 
as a result of walking the path of wisdom in righteousness, but it's not your righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness that is given to you as Jesus carries you out of death into life. And so remember that garbage dump at camp? Imagine if someone was left behind there by mistake. Listen, how absurd, this should go without saying, but how absurd would it be for someone left behind at a camp garbage dump to decide, you know what, this is my life now, and I can make a good life out of this. There's half of a pea-stained mattress over there. I can, I can lie on that. And there's, there's this food. And there's some thrown-out broken plates. I can make a little kitchenette. This can be my life. I talked about woman folly, uh, in a sense, preparing for you to partake of what she has to offer, and that looking like garbage-dump food. But it's not actually the reality. Woman folly is actually preparing you to be devoured. Woman folly is preparing you to be devoured by sin, destruction, and death. You are their feast. So it's like dusk at the garbage dump. Bears are showing up. You're literally losing limbs. And you're like, I didn't need a left hand. It's okay. I'm stuck here in the garbage dump anyways. I didn't need my feet. It's okay. The bears can eat that. And, and you're thinking, I can still make a life out of this. And Jesus is calling to you and saying, let me carry you into life. You need me. You're dying. You're being devoured by sin, death, and destruction. Let me bring you into life. And Proverbs 19.23 calls it a life of satisfied rest. So will you receive this offer that is only found and fulfilled by Jesus, in Jesus, and in in him saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? He's the only way. Jesus is the only way to go from the path of destruction with woman folly into the path of life. And so I know that many have responded to that invitation and to that call. You call Jesus your Savior and Lord. You know that Jesus has brought you out of death into life. And so for those who are here today who know they've been carried by Jesus onto the path of wisdom, you are actually brought into the work of calling other people onto that path. You're called into the work of inviting other people into the path of wisdom and life, and it's by God's grace that you are in that position. It is not your Work is not your doing, it's all Jesus. And you are equipped by Jesus and, the Holy, and his Holy Spirit to be a life-giving presence as you invite others onto this path. And I want to invite you, I hope you've been doing some self-reflection today. Take what you know about yourself and what you know about your Savior and call people from death into life. In Jesus, you are given his righteousness. You are invited to walk in righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. But can we be honest? Sometimes you return to eating garbage. I remember at the the same camp, just always the same camp, um, 
they would really feed us well. And one of the meals that was not good, so I'll just reference it and then I'll, the rest were good, uh, was Jello and Cheetos. And it was supposed to be the camper's dream meal. And so once a week we had the meal and we're like, oh, we're going to be starving. But the rest of the, all of the time that we were at camp, we feasted. We were fed so well because they worked us really hard and they're like, well, we better give them some good food. And so we feasted. And there was never a moment other than the Jello and Cheeto night that anyone would ever even consider, well, you want to go with me over to the garbage dump and see if we can find some food to eat? Who would say that? You're feasting on all the goodness that, uh, that the camp has to provide and then you're going to go and eat at a garbage dump? But is that sometimes our experience? We've sat at the table that Jesus has prepared. We've feasted on his goodness. And then we say, oh, you know what? I could take some garbage too to just top it off. Is this you? And if it is, my invitation to you is don't hide from God. Don't respond like Adam and Eve. You can't hide from God. Don't hide from community. Community has been given to you by God to call you back into life. And to say, hey, you know when you ate like that garbage, I, were you thinking you really needed it? Because look at what Jesus has offered you. And to he, your community reminds you of the life you have in Jesus. And, and experiencing moments like this don't have to be redacted from your testimony. It's part of what Jesus is doing in you. And I think it's a temptation into self-righteousness to cut out all the times you mess up when you're talking about your walk with God. But you are not righteous in yourself. So why would you present that to other people? The reality here is you can be open and honest about what you experience and why. It's because you know that Jesus is never going to stop coming and carrying you back onto the path of life, carrying you from garbage dump into the feast of life. Jesus, he will finish the work he's doing you. Jesus will save you to the uttermost. That's the furthest extent. And it's because of Jesus and his Holy Spirit that you actually can start to live out some of the wisdom that Proverbs presents. The, the wisdom in all its forms, the way that touches all of life. And so it's when you realize that Jesus will never stop carrying you back into life, no matter what, you can be completely free of thinking that you have to lie to get a promotion. Or you can live, instead of experiencing broken relationships, you can experience seeing Jesus use you to restore relationships. Uh, instead of being dissatisfied with what you have in material things, you can find complete satisfaction in Jesus. And so as we consider everything we've seen in Proverbs, it does reference a lot of the life of someone who's walking with Jesus. And is there an area of your life that Jesus wants to work on today? And I invite you to pray about that. Ask him, what, what part of my life have I been eating garbage and, and you just want to change that? And, and I haven't been satisfied in you. Can you help me be satisfied in you, Jesus? And the reality is that you're not perfect. You are being perfected. There's a real difference there. And so it's Jesus doing the work. It's Jesus picking you up from the filth of sin. And it's because of Jesus that you are a life-giving presence here on earth. And so 
what your testimony can look like is, let me tell you about how Jesus saved me from death and destruction when I first believed, and yesterday, and this morning. And then my last invitation to you is, who is the person that God has put in your path so that you can be their life-giving presence, calling them into life, into life with Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you. And I just pray that we would run in response to your invitation of giving us life and, and, and find the satisfaction we desire in you. And God, I pray that we'd be able to live an open, authentic life before you and, and, and participate in the work Jesus is doing of, of saving others and bringing people from death into life. And so we thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, we go into a time of response. Uh, how, how is the Spirit speaking to you? Uh, we'll have a time of discussion, and, and Evan will lead that. And it could be something that's, that's one-on-one, that you, you communicate uh, how the Holy Spirit was speaking to you today. Uh, but we also believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to the church. And so if today you sense that you have a word that is for the whole congregation, uh, you can talk with Evan, uh, and it could be appropriate that you present it today. Because uh, we, we know the Spirit is speaking. And so we respond, we respond uh, we, we won't have a time of worship where we're singing, but that is not the only way to worship. And so we will respond in just continually looking at how have we looked and worshiped things that are not made to satisfy us, and how can we redirect our focus to God. Uh, one of those ways is that if you call Church 21 your home, and, and it's, this is your church, uh, we worship through giving. And when you give, Jesus doesn't want your money, okay? The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So you think he needs your money? But Jesus does want your heart. And Jesus knows that this plastic or like actual literal numbers ends up being something that you love more than him. And so he asks you to worship him by giving to the church and it's an acknowledgement that, God, you've given me more than what I need, and I can live without obsessing about numbers and plastic, and I can live being satisfied in the only way that you made me to be satisfied. It's in you. And so we invite you to worship through giving. Uh, and we're also going to respond through taking communion. And uh, I don't know if anyone's fed up with the fellowship cups, <laughs> uh, but it, you might have got connected to Church 21 uh, in the last two years, and you just don't know the way that we uh, approached the Lord's Supper before, and I'm going to lead you into that, and you can see all these things, and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to help you with that. And the first thing is, this is a time of worship, and it's a moment to remember, it was Jesus' body that was broken, so that mine wouldn't be broken by death. And it's, it was Jesus' blood that was given, so that I could be righteous before God because of Jesus' righteousness. And so we remember his body that was broken for us, his blood that was poured so we could have forgiveness of sins. And, and this is an act of worship. So it means that it's only for and the, the people who are, who are here today who say, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my Savior. 
And so if that's you, we inv- we'll invite you into time of, of response. Uh, and, but if you're here today and you, in this self-reflection, you realize that you unrepentantly are eating garbage. There's, there's just an area of your life where you're like, I just really want that a lot. And I, I haven't repented of that. Well, that puts you in a place that you should not partake of this meal. But the thing is so beautiful about Jesus carrying you from death back to life is right now you can repent. Right now you can say, instead of saying, I want this thing more than you, you can say, I want you to take this thing and I want to be satisfied by you. And you repent and you partake the Lord's Supper his body, that reminds us of his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed for us. And it's a moment of celebration. It's a moment of worship. And so what we'll do is we'll have a song that's playing. And you will, we have some options for if there's gluten intolerance, you can go to the table with the rice crackers. Otherwise, you can take a piece of bread. You dip it in the juice. You don't take the cup and drink from it. You dip it in the juice. And you go back to your seat. And it's a moment of self-reflection. And you take the communion. Uh, and it's just, as, as you go, you, we're not going to all do it together. And so uh, I'll just pray, and then I'll lead us in this time of uh, taking the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, I thank you that just in your knowledge that we cannot be righteous uh, and we cannot have life, you sent your son Jesus to live a life of righteousness, to give his life for us, that his body was broken, his blood was poured out, so that we could be forgiven and brought into life. And so in this moment, God, I just pray that you would, um, it would be just a moment of worship of the work that you've done. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.